does everybody know what time it is? It's time to swing your partner round and round, naked. Alamand left, naked. Alamand right, naked. <laughs> Forward and back, naked. And promenade, naked. That's right. It's grunt work, naked. It's 12.30 a.m. Christmas Eve. I'm on the roof with the Gruntheads and the Creep. <laughs> Decorating, posting up, fake Santas, head up, up, yeah, that's what's up. Put Rudolph in motion, little grunt grunting and coasting. Down the block, but be careful of the flock of light show judges. <laughs> some, st- uh, some say to this day that Christmas ain't nothing but another day. But out of respect, I gotta give Tim his day here on Grunt Work, the only <laughs> podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that takes your whiskey and makes it a go-go. <laughs> I, I'm your host, <laughs> Landon. You're not my real dad, Solano. Joined always by my co-host, Truman. I'll thank you to keep your spark plug out of my tree caps. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Truman, biggest... It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Landon. I think the biggest reason to keep a spark plug out of a Christmas tree is that a Christmas tree will catch fire mighty quickly, and you don't even want to <laughs> give the tree the idea of a spark is lest that, it go up. Is that what that AMC show was about? Uh, what, the show Spark Plug? Catch Fire? Halt <laughs> I uh, no, I think I think it's more of a Yule and Catch Fire situation. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's Christmas again. Uh. Do you think that we're wait? I mean, it's Christmas. I know. I, the entire day today, thinking of having to do this episode, I kept flashing to Groundhog Day in my head, and just kept saying to myself, "It's Christmas again." <laughs> it, it's the. <laughs> It it really brings that uh, that song. I wish it could be Christmas every day into uh, into sharper focus when you yeah. just after getting through the holidays have to relive all the holidays. Like like th- this time, <sighs> and it, they're my least favorite. I mean, I'm you know me. I like Halloween, Christmas. Yeah. I just I don't I don't like Christmas. I don't like it. Wow. And I it's hard for me to get in the spirit, and let alone twice in a month <laughs> get in the spirit of Christmas, Landon. I it sounds to me like you're <laughs> the protagonist of a Hallmark movie who just you know a, bi- a big shot career focused person yeah. who just doesn't like Christmas. But when you go back to your hometown to for some family obligation, I think you're going to have some experiences that make I'm you see though. the true I'm... spirit of Christmas. This is it's not a- a- at all true because I I live the spirit of Christmas all year round. Like I'm not that big shot uh, uh, company guy. I work in a nonprofit trying to make people's lives better every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know I don't know Landon. But like you you say that you say that now. But I think mm-hmm. once you meet some cute baker uh, or or <laughs> animal hospital nurse or I don't yeah. know or maybe a Christmas princess even I think they'll help teach you. <laughs> The, the real meaning of Christmas isn't working every day to make people's lives better. Uh, it's it's plugging in the lights on a tree in the snow. I think that's really that's really what Christmas is all about. I wish I could remember the title, but they shot one of those Hallmark uh, Christmas movies in my hometown. Um, 
Landon, it, it, they make so many of those movies that at this point yeah. they have shot one of those movies in everyone's hometown. Every hometown. <laughs> How many towns are there in America? There are twice as many of those movies. I was watching, <laughs> I, I watched, tw- I don't know, 20 minutes of one on TV a couple months ago that was set in Portland. And it's like, well, okay, they hit my town too. Yeah, but Par- Portland's a, a city. Like, I come from a small town. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they've shot a few things in my town. Um, there was a scene from the, the Michael Sarah vehicle, um, Youth in Revolt, shot what? in my town. What? Uh, that, that, whole, there, that whole movie is set in California. Why would they go to Michigan to shoot? I, I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't make know. any I kind of sense. Why would they do that? Here's, here's the other thing. They, they say uh, there was a rumor at the time that Wayne's World 2 shot a scene in my hometown and there's a there's a specific moment when they're running and they're all in disguise they're trying to like bug uh or get you know the the photographic evidence that she's cheating on him yeah yes they're all dressed as the village people and exactly yes yeah and so when they they open a door and they turn around and they the lights on the stage flash on and they're you know yeah the village people moment um that was said to be had uh filmed at one of our middle schools or elementary schools. I, I don't I, believe it, but uh, that's that's the rumor that went around. That might be. I don't th- no, actually. I think that is the lamest urban legend of all time. <laughs> that a that a single scene in Wayne's World Two was filmed in your hometown. <laughs> Pe- people say that if you go to that to go to that road on a cold winter's night, you can still hear Mike Myers saying <laughs> whatever classic line there was from Wayne's World Two. <laughs> Well, the thing is, so I believe the Youth and Revolt one because uh, while it might have taken place in California, at the time, for a very short period of time, there was a uh, tax credit to shoot in Michigan. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, every st- every it was state. Only, like a five-year window. Every state kind of had their moment in the sun. Oregon was the yeah. big tax credit state for a while, and then it was Louisiana. <laughs> now it's Georgia. Yep. Who's it going to be next? Who's it going to be? South Dakota? Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, it'll follow you around. Landed Wayne's World 3 <laughs> shot in your apartment. Oh, no. By you, starring you. Oh, None of this has to do with home improvement, which is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> is that what we're here to talk about? I suppose that it, it is. is. Landon, we watched yeah. an episode of Home Improvement this week, unless you have more to yep. say. I do. Uh, I do have more to say. Well, then what else um, do you have to say? Before we we spoil it with a a synopsis, before we spoil it with anything, I want to make sure to give our listeners the full uh, scope, the full chance of winning their their patron prize, Patreon prize, yes, which is uh, the game that we play here uh, called Secret Password, Secret 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 Password. (laughs) Secret Pee-wee's Playhouse Password, um, <laughs> where uh, I've chosen a word, and if you yes. say it at any point during this episode, we will give our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod an entire month of free Patreon experience. It's a great, it's an amazing, amazing value, <laughs> absolutely free. These are the sacrifices we make for you, we, because we believe so, that the content on our Patreon is so good, we want to make it available for the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> having just recorded the last night <laughs> episode um <laughs> i mean so should we just give people a free month anyway given given the content of the last episode we just recorded maybe, i don't know maybe maybe um okay. but i'm gonna put myself on mute so you can't hear me and i'm gonna All tell right. these good folks what the password is for this episode okay so here we go mute me 
All right, Sherman, can you hear me? I'm going to make it short and sweet this week, <laughs> though impossible for Sherman to guess. Uh, the secret word this week, I hope I'm pronouncing this correct, is pikjulut, pikjulut, which is a uh, Finnish word for um, the little Christmas. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll get to the definition of that when we reveal it to Truman later in the episode. So, uh, Pixulut. Okay, here we go. Hi, Truman. Hi, Landon. I, listeners, I want you to know that during these breaks, I I, re- I am genuinely, I'm not looking at Twitter. I'm sitting far away from my computer. I'm not doing anything. I am just sitting and I am centering myself. And it's honestly some of the most, like, inner peace that I have in my life when we're doing this bit. So... Just know that I like I'm enjoying it. It's good for me. <laughs> good makes the episode better. Does it? I don't know. I, I Truman, don't know. I don't know that it's salvageable <laughs> at this point. We we watch an episode of Home Improvement every week. Uh, yes, and I believe we did that this week. I, Considering we started pretty much on the same note, I'm assuming we watched the same episode. But why don't you <laughs> let us know what happened this week? Just one time, I watched the wrong episode, <laughs> and now we never stop talking about it. I. Uh, This week on Home Improvement, Jill's mother is visiting Detroit for her first Christmas since her husband died. Jill is all ready to be supportive and console her mother through this tough time, until she learns that her mother has begun dating a charming retired engineer, who she's invited to join them for the holidays. As Jill struggles with her feelings about her mother moving on, Tim struggles with a set of stringent new rules for the annual holiday decoration contest. (laughs) It's what we call a segue. Oh, I like it. Um, <clears throat> speaking of a segue, do you want to guess that title? I do, Landon. I have three options, mm-hmm. and I'm already. <laughs> oh no! One of oh, them no. is ar- one of them has already broken me, uh, oh, and no. it's going to break you. So I'll do it last. All right. First option: okay. <laughs> the ghost of husband's past. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Second, it one. feels like a a, a a title that, if not home improvement, some sitcom would use. I'm, I, you know what? I'm gonna go further as to say something probably has used that title. Maybe even a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie. Oh, there you go. Uh, second option, Silent okay. Light. Oh, I like that one. Thank you, thank you. Uh, third option, Twas the Light Before Christmas. Okay, all right. And the last little one, theme going there. Yeah, a little theme, a little, a little theme in that I found a thing that worked and decided to bludgeon it to death. Uh, last option. Okay, just oh, give no. me a second. This is the thing that I thought of during the day, and it was like, well, this this isn't good, and I'm not proud of it, and it does make me ashamed to be alive, but also I need to say it on the podcast because it's content. Um, third op- Fourth option, final option. Away in a manger, semicolon, mom's bay is a stranger. I think whenever you could fit a semicolon into a title, you're onto something good. I'm a huge fan of semicolons. Unlike author Kurt Vonnegut, who was notoriously against them, I love them. (laughs) They're a great way for me to keep a sentence going, or in this case, Uh a horrible title. (laughs) I like, I personally like the M dash. Uh, different functions, I realize, but uh, I have it, respect for the semicolon. I don't know 
that like I I'm sure that they do have different functions. I the main reason I like semicolons so much is because I use so many m dashes anyway. That when I am looking back at what I've written and there's already been a lot of m dashes, it's like, but I, uh, I oh semicolon. It won't look like I'm overusing the same punctuation. So that's um, that's a little glimpse into into my process, which oh, very is shitty. Cool. My my process is driven entirely <laughs> wow. by just. Self-critical work here on Drawing Yeah, I, you know what? You know what? Look, you can only... Co- so, some weeks, I'm really enthusiastic about the title, and you think it's terrible. Other weeks, I'm really critical of the title, and this is one of those weeks. Uh, but I had okay, to toss it right. out there. Was, was that, uh, well, was why, that don't the you, why don't you... Why don't you harness that criticism and uh, ball it up in your hands and feel it compress under the weight of your criticism... And uh, of your energy, your critical energy, and then hadouken it out forward uh, at the <laughs> the writers of this episode who who titled it. Um, this week's episode is called "Bright Christmas." Honestly, though, honestly, that's pretty good. It's it's honestly pretty good because so much of it is about Christmas lights and their yeah. overwhelming brightness. Yeah, that's good. Hey, no, but it's, it, it's, it, it, it's it's okay. Uh, but I I think you have proven you can be a little bit more creative with titles. Uh, baby, I, it's I, light outside. <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't prove it today with this with the, with the <laughs> options I provided. Maybe there was a better one out there. I don't know that I necessarily found it. I think the home improvement writers win this round. <laughs> Okay, in all the, right. In, you, in this, you're conceding, even though the the election's still going. I, um, I I'm I'm Al Gore here. Like, if I come up with something better, I'll unconcede, and and okay, then okay, uh, a Supreme Court pact with my Just cronies will rule against in, me. Invent the internet. Uh, this episode aired on December sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Truman, this is the last episode of nineteen ninety seven. We're about to enter into nineteen ninety eight. Oh next my week. God, a bold new world. Um, <laughs> uh, directed by I'm Peter ready. Bonners and written by John Vandergriff. Some old hats at this at this point. The oldest of hats. How do you feel about this episode? Uh, you know, I liked it. I liked this episode. It had humor and <laughs> okay. heart. I know that I went into the vocal register that usually sounds like I'm kind of ambivalent, but uh, I, 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 I liked it a lot. I felt like uh, did I say humor and heart already? Because humor and heart is really. The epitome of it. I think that Jill and yeah. her mom together is always a killer combination on a just acting level, capital yeah. A acting. I think that they have great chemistry together, and it usually reveals some great deeper truths. Um, this episode, I think, was optimal usage of Tim. He is... Uh, yes. I, I, yeah, again, this is, this is what peak performance looks like. It's Patricia Richardson doing the heavy lifting acting wise and Tim being a supportive, friendly doof who's engaging in clumsy hijinks. <laughs> um, the, the best version of Tim there is. Yes. And I, I think that on in terms of Jill dealing with her feelings and her emotions, I think that this episode, I, I, I feel like it was uncharacteristic. Okay, let me get this word. Uncharacteristically. <laughs> lick, uh, I, I, there was a lot of uncharacter licking in this episode, <laughs> which I personally found amazing. I'm super into seeing that on TV. Uncharacteristically mature, the way that Jill yeah. dealt with her feelings about her mom. I feel like on a lot of sitcoms, 
characters kind of just have overblown reactions to everything and it's very broad in one note. I think that Jill's feelings about her mom having a new boyfriend were very yeah. complex and nuanced. And she even says out loud at one point, like, this is about my mom. It's not about me. And and she tries to deal with it and she can't. And then when she brings it up with her mom, she does it in a very mature and kind of uh, 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 constructive way. And I don't know. I just, I, this the show modeled some really healthy behaviors and I liked that. What did you think, Landon? <laughs> I I mirror almost everything you said. You know, I I do think that it's just a mark of the show of dealing. I I think because they brought in psychology to Jill's character so early on in the series Mm -hmm. that they have been able to get to uh, a shorthand, allowing them to get further with things and be a little more complex uh, than usual. Because you're right. A lot of those episodes would be like somebody exploding at the other person and then like having that heartfelt moment at the very, the last beat of the episode as they're like both sitting on the edge of the bed and, you know, putting their head on each other's forehead, you know, like as they, as they make up and understand one another. And I'm glad we don't really have that here, but at the same time, I'm not going to be critical. I I, I liked the episode. It was entertaining. It had heart and humor. Did you say that? Uh, No, Um, I know I didn't. You're the first one on the (laughs) podcast to ever say heart and humor. Uh, I will say though, this is being completely honest and I don't mean it as a criticism, criticism, just as an observation. It's starting to feel in the last couple of episodes. So it's not even specific to this. It's starting to feel a lot like Christmas, right? (laughs) Like it's starting to feel a little bit like they're going through the motions, Mm. like funny things in each episode. uh, But it, it starts, it's starting to feel like they're running out of steam. Like, this is the emotional mom visits episode, or this is the Tim fucks up the Christmas lights display, and we have a moment where Wilson loses his temper. You know, like, it's good, but it's not anything we haven't seen before. And it's, while it does have that shorthand to, you know, more complex dealing with things, uh, it doesn't quite feel as fresh as it once did. Now, now let's... Let's also, just to, you know, correct for that, let's remember, this is a Christmas episode, and holiday episodes tend to be formulaic, especially Christmas episodes, because they're always about the same moral. Yes, but unlike the Halloween episodes, when they do them, you know, they they do, to a degree, make them unique, if not try to one-up the one from the previous year. This is just like, this feels like we've seen this, oh, Tim's you know, rolling out the oversized Christmas decorations. Yes. I mean, he didn't even mention Doc Johnson this week. No, and that was uh, a, a shock <laughs> to me that Doc Johnson yeah, is not in this episode. <laughs> not that ever he appears on screen, but that, there, that he is not no. the villain of this episode. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know. It, like we saw the same shots of the roof, you know, and some of the same, uh, you know, Christmas decorations. He's not doing anything bigger or really different with them. In fact, he'd gotten more complex with them in the past with like, you know, uh, things that come in and out of the roof, you know, cutting holes in the roof to get things going. All we really get here that's different is a, a Santa track that, you know, goes into Wilson's backyard. Yes, yes, inexplicably. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I would all, like, I mean, obviously the Halloween episodes are better than the Christmas episodes because, like, you just have broader <laughs> latitude. Like, Halloween is a holiday that is not attached to a major religion, so you can be hella yeah. subversive and do wild shit, and it doesn't matter. Christmas, even even shows that have a track record of being subversive, I mean, you still have the same moral 
every time, yeah. which is like, love people, be nice. Like the community Christmas episodes, one of the most meta shows ever made, are still ultimately about like, ah, oh, you've got to love people and be nice. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hard to judge a show on a Christmas episode, period. I mean, I I, I can agree with that to a, a large degree. I just feel like at this point, they the show knows what it's doing so much that, you know, I may maybe wrongly on my part feel like each season should be my favorite Christmas episode yet. And mm. this is like, oh, okay, I've seen this. I think I liked, you know, season season four's Christmas episode a little bit better. Uh, because there's not really I don't know, it really just didn't introduce didn't try to do anything very different with it. Um, you know, in terms of comedy or in terms of heart. Like if this if this went full bore taps from last season, Oof. you know it would have been a much more you know emotional and, and memorable episode. But really, it's just like ah, we we did a little bit of the mom drama, we did a little bit of the Tim fucking up drama or comedy, and put it in a hat, and now that's the episode we have. Put it in a hat, like a Santa hat. Put, put it in hat in in Hattie. You put it upside down instead of the cheese. You put the ingredients for the episode <laughs> damn it landon you know you you've sold me as soon as you start talking about an inventive way to serve nachos in a hat I, okay i i agree well i don't even remember what we were talking about but i agree with you 100 <laughs> percent. oh man yeah you know well, well we said well in unison that's what the holidays are all about isn't it <laughs> well then let's uh what let's do this let's um let's let our parents tuck us in warm and tight and shut our eyes and pretend to fall asleep. And once they are suffi- sufficiently convinced that we're dreaming of sugar plums, let's rip off the sheets, put on our stealth gear, our face grease, climb the lattice work outside the window, shimmy over to the skylight overlooking the living room, and watch and wait as our parents begin to set out presents, shattering our beliefs that Santa was once, uh, <laughs> our, shattering our belief in Santa once and for all, as we sink down into a dank well of cynicism and trust issues that we call the deep dive. I'm just going to say, if we as children in this scenario already own face grease for the specific purpose of, like, spying on our parents, I'd say that we've already descended into the well of cynicism and might have some (laughs) serious baked-in doubts about Christmas. Uh, That being said, (laughs) yes, let's dive into the episode. Oh, okay. Um, I I'll start here. Uh, yeah, start. The cold open we get uh, at home. Tim is with uh, the three boys. Um, he's telling them a little bit about his plans for um, the Christmas light display this year, and uh, he's very excited about it. But uh, Randy chimes in saying, "You know what? I don't think you can do everything you're saying you want to do because we got some uh, a letter in the mail saying that there are regulations for this year's uh, light display." And uh, you you can't use above a certain wattage. You can't uh, um, your elves can't be <laughs> above a certain uh, height, three three feet tall. Uh, and yeah, so you're gonna have to rethink things. Um, Tim's like, well, that sounds like they're targeting me. And Randy says, well, that's because they are. It's called the Tim Taylor clause. <laughs> so. Uh, that's that's basically the the cold open. Let's pull out some of the specifics, though. Okay, so the Tim Taylor clause. Does that mean that if one of us accidentally kills Tim Taylor, then we have to be Tim Taylor until someone kills us? Is that what we're going for here? I. Th- it could quite well be. I mean, so you become the tool man. 
So like I keep I like instead of instead of him shaving his beard and the beard grows back, it's like me putting on a nice tie and then in in the mirror I just see a horrible tool time tie grow <laughs> out of me. Is that is that what yep. it is? Like yeah. like the I'm, tool, tool belt just appears around your waist. <laughs> I, I like I'm trying to ride the bus somewhere, but then as soon as I get on the bus and sit down, I'm magically teleported into a hot rod, and I've got to drive the hot rod to where I'm going. <laughs> That would be a nightmare for me. I, I, Just every time you walk into the garage, there's a there's a hot rod waiting for you. Yeah, <laughs> not not finished. One that you still have to work on. Oh my god! And that's gonna suck because my apartment has just an open carport. So every time I walk down there, there's going to be an unfinished hot rod that tweakers will already have stolen all of the component. Like I'm just like it's just a constant stream of catalytic converters being ripped out of unfinished hot rods that are appearing in my carport. That's why you gotta hide all those parts in your Christmas tree. Uh, I just have to make. I just have to make. Oh, yeah, it's good. That that's a really good callback to the show. Um, I'm just gonna have to make a point of not killing Tim Taylor because I can't. Yeah, I can't become. I can't <laughs> become the Taylor. Don't get clause. caught up in the. Yeah, you don't want to. Don't want to fuck with that. And Tim Allen lives basically in my neighborhood, so I have to be really careful about this more so <laughs> than the average person does. Um. There's another thing about uh, – I wish I had written down what all the regulations were. Randy was reading them. Um, I, I, have, I, I have some. Uh, you're limited okay. to two 20-amp breakers, no bulbs okay. over 25 watts, maximum okay. elf height is three feet. Three feet, right. And the nativity scene can only include characters explicitly That's mentioned right. in the Bible. <laughs> uh, these seem all reasonable, but uh, this means that – okay, so – this is almost a callback to what was it? Was it season one or two? Uh, where Tim goes, Well, how am I? So Randy goes, So no more three stooges. And he goes, They weren't stooges, they were wise men. Uh, and then uh, he, he, okay, so this is the point I want to pull out because when he says it, he, they were wise men, he then does a three stooges like doink on. Randy's oh, head, like an eye poke and there was or something. A, there was a sound effect, <laughs> like a yep. cartoon sound effect. Yep, yep, yep. The, in my notes, it's just something tells me this is going to be a weird one, folks. As soon as you start getting sound <laughs> effects in the cold open, I re- so I haven't seen Tim Allen's movie Crazy on the Outside, the one he directed, mm-hmm. but I knew someone who uh, was a journalist um, for the movie section of a a, a zine. A well, a public a city publication, you know, yeah. like I'm trying to one of those free ones that you get out. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he had to review it and said that uh, it's filled with cartoon sound effects. Oh. <laughs> I mean, is is this like I I feel like Just, a lot, you know, like hitting your face on the window and going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, like, I feel like a lot of sitcom characters claim to be into the Three Stooges, but the per- yeah. people who created them actually aren't. Do you think that Tim Allen just genuinely does love the Three Stooges? Oh, yeah. I have yeah. no doubt about that. No I, doubt at all. I mean, I guess, and I mean, I'm not to, su- it's, which is not to suggest that the Three Stooges are without merit. I mean, obviously they were yeah. talented and influential, but he seems like, you know, Sam on Cheers or like uh, Jerry Seinfeld also claim to be Stooges fans, but those shows never sure. get to the like granular depth of three stooges references that uh, that home improvement does it's true uh it does keep coming back i'm just so they he 
they get so close. They flirt with the idea of mentioning the three wise tool guys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I was getting to. Oh, yes, and, yes. And they didn't. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I think maybe chose uh, that they've acknowledged and toned down the narcissism of the show. I... Honestly, no, I I don't think it shows that. I think it just shows that they recognize that back in the day, three cute little kids, you can just dress them up like their daddy, and that gets a big reaction from the crowd. Now they're all gangly, weird teenagers. That bit doesn't fly. Like, the, they won't play it off oh, you're, as well. You're, you're conflating two different bits. I'm not talking about dressing them all up as Mo. I'm talking about the Christmas episode from season one or two where Tim brought out the three wise men with oh, his face on all three of them and called it the three wise tool guys. I'm yeah, I did conflate two different things because because also <laughs> there was one Halloween where just Mark dressed up as Tim and then there mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. where they all three dressed up as the three stooges. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh god, Landon, why why are we making this podcast? Why why do I have this much know. knowledge of home improvement? This is bad. This is not good <laughs> for don't know. me or for society. Um uh-huh. Yeah, I, then, I, then one last thing we have to talk about yes. is the transition out. Okay, of this. yeah, it was one of those things where I saw it happen and I was like, I could rewind and pause and look at that, but also Landon's gonna do that for me, so I don't need to. <laughs> this scene, so okay, it ends on like the final stipulation: the nativity scene can only include characters explicitly mentioned in the Bible. That means no more Three Stooges. Tim, they were the three wise men. Randy, then why were they poking each other in the eye? Tim says something else, pokes Randy, gets the doot noise. And then from that, we go to this transition of, like, <laughs> I'm looking at the picture you sent me. It's it's breaking you a little bit? Yeah, it's the a nativity scene flies into place, basically, uh, with some snow. So you, you see the manger and the... Star North Star flies through the window uh, in the back hall of it. But it's also taken Brad, Randy, and Mark from the scene that we've just watched, you know, did a freeze frame of them, dressed them in wise men clothes, but then gives each of them a Three Stooges haircut. So Randy has Mo, Brad has Larry, and they shaved Mark's head to look like Curly. Mark is the only one... Like, like I didn't realize at the time that it was that they were doing versions of the boys as the Three Stooges, as the Three <laughs> Wise Men. The, the, this is on screen for a second, and it's like three yeah. levels of references deep. This is Inception <laughs> shit. I look only when you sent me the picture. I was like, the one on the right kind of looks like Mark, but the other two <laughs> don't look like the boys because I the hairdos are so out there. The, yeah. So much work. Well, Brad's bald. I mean, he's he's got the the bald you know bird's nest of Larry. Yes, yes. I also I'm just I'm just gonna say it. I don't think maybe Randy's Mo because he seems to have always been the the ringleader to a degree. I don't I don't know. I would think Brad is more of a curly than Mark. I don't know enough about the Three Stooges to have a comment because I'm not a character on a sitcom from the 90s. <laughs> Curly was kind of, I don't want to say the dumb one, but he was always, the, you know, he's like smacking his face and doing the circles on the ground like Homer does every once in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And and Larry's kind of the neurotic, you know, you know, uh, angrier, not angry, just kind of... Yeah, oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, you can really only describe the Stooges with noises. Yes, yeah, okay, which one is Nyuk, Nyuk, Nyuk? <laughs> That's, <laughs> Nyuk, Nyuk is Mo, I think. Uh, 
The Which woo, one is? Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, that's Curly. Okay, <laughs> as he's doing circles on the ground. Gotcha. Uh, I don't. I don't know what Larry's noise is. To be honest with you, it is just kind of. <laughs> I kind of put out again. Shocking to like you, you. You listen to this and you think, how much depth could there possibly be to this comedy routine from the '30s? Well, enough depth that like the three main characters of some of the biggest sitcoms of the '90s s- centered it totally at the at the uh, at the uh, totality of their being. I don't know. It's it is what is it? But, I don't okay. think it's interesting at all. But but no. What's interesting though is that again, this flashes on screen for one yep. second, long enough for me watching it without pausing to be like, okay, three wise men. But they're actually the Three Stooges. I can see from the one second that I got of this, I can put yeah. piece together that joke. The the editors were like, "No, we're gonna make it each of the boys. We're gonna <laughs> Photoshop it using 1997 Photoshop to do this. Like this is hours of work yet again for shit that only people like us are gonna see 30 years later. It, <laughs> I mean, it, it suggests to me this real labor of love on behalf of the crew of this show. We're just like, yeah, we're getting our paychecks. This show's in syndication. We, we, we're all gonna buy houses in Toluca Lake and Valley Village off of this. And um, <laughs> and, and look, I'm in, it's great. It's great. I, I, I love that they're having fun and doing little creative bits. Well, if they didn't do it, we wouldn't have had the last 10 minutes of our show. So, we got to pad that runtime somehow, folks. So, all right, let's go. Let's go. We go to the theme song, we come out and we're we're back home. Tell us what happens in this uh, next scene. So, in the next scene, Tim is uh rolling out all of his uh decorations to try and rolling, uh, rolling, rolling, rolling. Roll out the decorations. What? <laughs> I was doing beer barrel polka. You were doing rawhide. Um, I was doing limp biscuit. <laughs> oh, I'm. Well, of course I wasn't gonna get that land. And come on, <laughs> we know the show so well, but you still haven't figured out that I miss every reference that is not about the band Chicago. Um, there's rolling, rolling, rolling. What? That's limp biscuit. Rolling, oh. rolling, rolling. That's rawhide. <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep those doggies rolling. I'm. So, I. I should. You know, Ice Ice Baby is da 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 da, and Under Pressure is da 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 da. It's it's so obvious anybody could tell. So T- Tim is moving out his decorations to get ready. He's staging everything. Jill is making a Christmas cake, which she assures everyone is not a fruit cake. It's just a cake that has pineapple, mango, and papaya in it. Um, and you know, Jill's uh. The boys are picking up Jill's mom at the airport. Brad is driving mm-hmm. driving her back. Jill is asking mm-hmm. Tim, hey, you know, be extra nice to mom this year. Uh, she's just been through a lot. This is the first uh, Christmas since dad died. And, you know, let's just, you know, make this the best possible night for her. And uh, Jill also shows uh, Tim that she's going to be giving her mom a restored wedding photo of her mom and dad on their wedding day. And then Jill's mom gets home uh, with the boys in tow carrying their bags. And uh, there's a little bit of chatter about how Brad is a better driver than Tim is. Um, <laughs> so so this scene, Tim's getting some Christmas decorations going. and it, this, Yeah, yeah. This scene starts a running gag that I, I, I kind of like where it's just Tim show. So Tim shows off that the the wise man who's bringing frankincense this year is it's just like a cardboard cutout of Frankenstein yeah. in a robe. And I I think that's funny. I like that. 
I I don't think it's particularly artfully done, but I think it's a no. Funny I bit. mean, it it is funny. Um, but you know, again, it's no real different. We've seen him bring out oversized. Well, so the it's, the scene literally starts. The shot begins with him pushing a giant Rudolph through the the room, right? And yes. uh, it's like we we've seen the oversized decorations before. The Frankenstein frankincense is you know it's kind of funny, and it it is you know it does become the recurring thing with the partridge in the pear tree and the the coming scene. I mean, it, I don't have any criticism against it. I'm just saying we haven't. It's not something we haven't seen before. I, I think I think you went into this episode with higher expectations than I did. When I see something's going to be a Christmas episode, I'm like, okay, check your brain at the door, folks. We're going to learn that you should love people and be accepting. <laughs> Boring. Like I, you know, I, I low expectations. I just get surprised. Okay. All right. Um. Um. I have a more important question, though. Yes. Fruitcake. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, I've never had fruitcake. I didn't. This is here's the thing. I think it's the same as a PlayStation Five. I don't think fruitcake actually exists. I think it was a thing <laughs> invented for sitcoms. <laughs> the difference, though, is that if you get a PlayStation Five for Christmas, you're overjoyed. If you get a fruitcake for Christmas, <laughs> you're upset. But well, okay. I want to. I want to break this down a little bit because yeah. a. I, I've never even seen a fruitcake, let alone had one. Yeah. B. Why is it always made fun of? It sounds good. I would I would eat a fruitcake. Yeah, the way Jill is describing it, it's like, okay, let, let, let's see. I like see. mangoes. I like yeah, papaya. Pineapple. Come on. Papaya. Like these are gra- These are solid ingredients. I, I agree. I have only ever heard about fruitcake in terms of jokes of, oh, man, getting a fruitcake. Oh, the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like a replacement for coal. And they're always, you know... Thick as a brick and heavy as a bowling ball. Yes. Right? Like, you, as Jill throws it, we see it a little bit in this episode. Jill throws it at a decoration and dis- demolishes it uh, like she's throwing a brick through the window. I I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it's the same, honestly, as the, as the bit about, like, oh, man, Jerry Lewis is a huge hit in France. The French <laughs> people love Jerry Lewis. That's a thing that I only became aware of through jokes on sitcoms. Same yeah. with fruitcake. I think it's just the thing that, like, boomers, when they were kids, were getting lots of fruitcakes and lots of Jerry Lewis content that they didn't understand. I, I don't know. I, I think... <laughs> I think once again, it's a previous generation's trauma being well, expressed in sitcoms that raised this generation. We get a little bit of both in this episode. We do, we do, we do get a Jerry Lewis bit. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we should reclaim fruitcakes, though. I think you and I should I, I learn so. how to bake. Fruit well, cakes. I don't know. I don't. I, I want to know what I'm reclaiming first. I want to try it, and if it's just like if it is just like a brick of, you know hard sugar then maybe i just want to reclaim the word fruitcake for a more you know nutritious or delicious thing than whatever the thing that's being made fun of is yeah i gotta know what i'm what i'm putting my money behind is what i'm saying yeah i don't know yeah is a fruitcake just like a like a cliff bar or something or i i it's <laughs> like is it, is it like is it like a trail mix if it's all fused together it because it's been in your your uh, center console on a hot day <laughs> Just a couple, couple of RX bars that have been in your backpack uh, in the hot sun. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't give that as a gift unless someone had been very naughty that year. Um, 
so also when when Jules' mom arrives and you know Brad has driven her back, she says, uh, yeah. she says, oh, it was a lot less scary than when I ride with Tim. I I never knew that Detroit had stop signs." And Tim goes, Tim just says, "Roundish red things." Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I don't know something about Tim's delivery there just is really funny to me. I just like the way he kind. Of, there's a lot in this episode of Tim underplaying stuff in a yes. way that I find very amusing, and and I, I, think- I like it. I think that's kind of a recurring thing uh, of his performance this season. Uh, he does seem to be underplaying or kind of just tossing aside moments in a way that makes it funnier yes. uh, than overplaying them or, you know, just playing the joke for what it is. It's 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 less, oh, am I stupid? Is that, you know, am I, I don't know what stop signs are or, oh, I don't know, I know what stop signs, you know, like. He, he leans into the joke, and it's it's a lot funnier. It, you know, I, I think that Tim Allen has always been a a gifted dramatic actor, but it's been kind of rewarding for me over the course of the series watching Tim become a better and more nuanced uh, uh, comic actor, and yep. that's that's really cool. Good, good, well done, Mister Allen. I, I salute you <laughs> for this very narrow. I salute you not for any of your personal beliefs, but but specifically for the okay, way that right, you mature right. as an actor. Okay, just get, get it out there. Speed us along. Santa transitions us to a little bit later. Uh, Jill and her mom are speaking around the dining room table as they're um, you know looking at some ornaments and stuff. Jill pulls the spark plug out of the Christmas tree uh, that Tim keeps hiding his stuff uh, to help decorate it. It kind of I well. I'll put a pin in that for a moment. Um, but her and her mom are are talking a little bit, and uh, Jill's mom, or Jill's about to give her this awesome present uh, that, as you mentioned, is this restored photo of her and her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she's gonna surprise her with it, and she's like, "I want you to open this now when it's just the two of us." And her mom says, "Okay, great. Uh, before I do, is it okay if I invite someone over for Christmas?" And just like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, she's like, OK, yeah, great. I mean, he's he's been a really great friend over these last couple months. And he uh, Jill, Jill kind of like, yeah, works it out like, wait a minute. Are you dating someone? Uh, and yeah, it turns out that uh, she's been dating someone named Parker. He's an engineer and uh, he has some friends in Michigan that he's visiting um, and wants to come over for Christmas. So that's great. And so Jill says, well, okay, I'm not going to give you this present now. Her mom gets excited, uh, runs out of the room to go call Parker and let him know that it's okay to come over. Uh, Meanwhile, Tim comes in with the partridge in the pear tree (laughs) decoration, the oversize, and it's a pear tree with uh, one of the partridge family uh, sticking his head out. Yeah. I don't know. What was his his name? Um, Keith Partridge, I think. Is it Keith? Yeah, Keith. It's Keith. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And... uh, Jill starts to confide in Tim about uh, about Parker, her date, uh, her mom's date, and how she feels about it. She's like, well, I'm just going to, you know, support her and be hospitable, and we'll see this through. But you could tell already that Jill's having, like, process issues. Yes. Yes. Uh, and... And I think a great, you know... Again, Patricia Richardson's acting in this episode... Well, in every episode is great, but she is... I'm trying to remember. Did I did I do use this reference before on the show where my parents She laments something? No, she Well, she does a lot of lamenting in this episode. I will give you that. <laughs> but how my parents always talk about that scene in It's a Wonderful Life where 
George Bailey's brother comes back to town from college and oh his he you know he's got his fiance or he's got his wife with him or something and and he's gotten secretly married to this woman while he was away at college and George Bailey slowly piecing together like wait my brother got married to this woman she her dad is going to offer him a job I'm never going to leave Bedford Falls I have to get like the plan was for my brother to take mm-hmm. on like it's but it's all just Jimmy Stewart kind of you see, in the background of the scene, him slowly yeah. piecing together what's going on. My parents hold that up as like the finest example of acting in history. I don't know if it's better oh, than wow. Uncut Gems, but I, I do think that Jill <laughs> is just doing... just the other night. Yeah, you're just like, I want to be really stressed out tonight. I want to watch Uncut Gems. Um, <laughs> I do have my Blu-ray of it. I should watch it too. The point is, uh, I think Jill is doing that kind of Jimmy Stewart acting in this scene where she learns this from her mom and she's trying to play it off like everything's cool, but you can see in her yeah. eyes and in her demeanor that she's bothered by it. And I think that's that's very powerful stuff. It's, I have to imagine, uh, being a completely unsuccessful actor myself, that one of the hardest things to play is lying to yourself. Yes. How do you show that? Where mm-hmm. you are telling yourself a narrative that is completely separate from the internal reality that you're, you know, denying, your character is denying themselves. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine how I would approach that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty tall order, and especially I mean on a sitcom, there's usually not a lot of space made for um, those sorts of moments, and also on a sitcom, yeah. there's not a lot of like close up shots of the face where you can really kind of work with subtlety like that. But right, she she plays it really well. She does, yeah. I. <laughs> so I, I'm looking I'm looking back at this scene and what I. Uh, I don't know what I what I like about this is that uh, okay, there's a lot of things that I like about this. When Jill specifically, when she's talking to Tim about this, her mom has run off to call Parker, and Jill is is telling Tim about this. Yeah, uh, she she says, you know, my mom is bringing a date to Christmas, and Tim goes, well, why doesn't she bring a whole box of dates? Then she can put them in your Christmas cake, <laughs> and. So there's that, and then Tim says, uh, you know, a second later, Jill says uh, to him that, you know, I, she's upset that her mom is dating someone, but she also wants to be supportive, and she tells Tim, you know, just when when Parker is here, just be really nice and supportive and hospitable, and Tim goes, yeah, sure, no, easy for me, he's not shacking up with my mom, and Jill <laughs> just gives him a look and he just goes, whatever I can do to help, and it's like, I, it's such a subtle thing, Tim is... That, that comment is kind of a dick comment coming from yeah. Tim, and it's not a thing I would say, but I think it's hilarious, and I can laugh at it, because it's not Tim being angry. Once I well, make, I've been making the same point for like a year, but like when he's not angry, when he's just kind of like speaking his mind without really thinking it through, that's funny. That's comedy. The thing is, it, it comes after him when she, she you know, may, confides in him and says, you know, oh, she's bringing a date. He says the very first thing he says is, "Oh man, how do you feel about that?" Mm-hmm. Like he, the you know, opens the stage for her to get her you know emotional reality out first, and then yes. that you know gives space to be able to joke about it a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think he's not doing it in lieu of being supportive of her. Yeah, you know what? I think that's that's a very good point. It's that he first gives her space and makes sure that she is okay enough that he can kind of be Tim about it and then goes ahead and right. is Tim. Yeah. My main thing for this scene yeah. <laughs> is that as Jill is pulling out spark plugs from the Christmas tree, uh, it's 
often how I feel about Christmas trees now because my mom, I don't know, for the last 20 years, maybe more, has just taken over doing the tree. Mm-hmm. So, like, she she was really big into collecting Boyd Bears for a long time. Boyd Bears? And Boyd Bears, yes. I, I, don't, I do not know about Boyd Bears. What's a Boyd Bear? It's, you know, like a little collectible stuffed animal bear, and then they did ceramic type of bears. Like, oh, think, boy. Duh. you know, craft store, like, what what's the uh, not 1950s version of a Hummel? Mm, okay. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> Just, it's like, you know, with bears and, and different cute poses with, you know, overalls and signs on, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the signs are misspelled, and one of the buckles of the overalls is undone. Yes, I think I can see this now. <laughs> So she does her Boyd Bear tree, and you know it looks nice. I, I I think she does a great job of it. But at the same time, I'm like, but am I part of the family? <laughs> Do I get to have one of the ornaments my grandparents got me before they died <laughs> on the tree? I don't have a tree at my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you? Uh, so I'm constantly like trying to sneak. I, I get she puts one bulb of mine on the tree. Wow, <laughs> so that's that's like that's my spark plug. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, okay. So you, but you don't have. You're not like when you go to Florida. It's not like you have like a a, a suitcase full of your own ornaments that you're constantly sneaking on throughout the holiday. Uh, no, I just don't have the strength for that anymore. And as I said, I, I've given up on Christmas. So, <laughs> what I mean, what what I do like. So she, Jill is lamenting the fact that uh, Tim always hides hot rod bits on the on the tree but then she also mentions yeah. that uh for easter they have a muffler hunt uh instead of an easter egg hunt <laughs> i isn't a muffler kind of big and easy to find like it's I, an I, egg is small I, I think it was uh i think it was a euphemism oh, oh okay so they have a they have a muffler hunt uh upstairs after everyone's already gone to bed exactly there you go well, hopefully you don't have to hunt that hard to find it uh, if you've been married long enough. So, anyway, are we done with this scene? Do you have more to say? Uh, Cupid flies in um, with some snow and transitions us to the roof where Tim and Parker are talking about voltage versus wattage. Parker, the engineer, is like, you know what? This thing doesn't say anything about voltage, just wattage. So I think you could actually switch to this sort of tra- transformer. I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. Robots um, in disguise, yeah. <laughs> Where you can actually get more power out of this by using a, 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 a higher voltage rather than a higher wattage. Here's my note for this, because it's a two-second scene. Yeah, it's um, very short. My note is they have a character actor. They have no introduction for him. He's standing basically just with his head peeking out over top of the roof on top of a ladder. I know. Uh, weird, considering the character actor that we have this week. Yeah, who is this character actor? Do I know him? Do you not know him? I, I, well, I don't know, Landon. I didn't watch the credits that closely because I wanted to have my mind blown, potentially. <laughs> George Coe, motherfucking George Coe, is on this week. Okay. Um, Coke. Where to start with George Coe? I don't know. Um, you don't Coe. <laughs> he, uh, let's start with a weird piece of trivia. He died the same day. Uh, in 2015, as our last character actor, uh, Alex Rocco. <laughs> so Ko and Rocco died on the same day. Is it kind of like are Tom, correct. 
Thomas Jefferson and and what George Washington dying on the same day, that kind of shit. Like they like one of them <laughs> Maybe, thought the yeah. other was still alive. Yeah, uh, could be. Um, okay, so he has a very storied career. Uh, he was in Transformers. He's did a lot of voice work. Maybe people best know him now, uh, or a certain audience knows him as Woodhouse on Archer. Oh shit! Yeah, I know him as that. Okay, all right, very good, very good. Uh. He was in Remo Williams, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fred Ward movie, okay. Stepford, Stepford Wives, uh, the Kim Basinger, Bruce Willis movie, Blind Date. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, okay, this is one of my favorite bits of trivia about him. He was one of the first batch of Saturday Night Live cast. <laughs> oh, wait, really? For the first three episodes. <laughs> He he was playing like bit characters as like a warden and stuff um, in those those sketches. He wasn't yeah. a main player, but he was on the first three episodes and was, you know, uh, part of the cast before they, um, you know, did away with him. He, he wasn't not ready for prime time is what you're saying. <laughs> he did 10 episodes in total, um, mostly the 70s, and he came back uncredited in 1986. Wait, uh, that, that's weird to come back uncredited. Like, they're, they're not even making a thing about, like, hey, well, one of the original cast is back. <laughs> he, he was uncredited the entire time, but oh, he I came see. back in 1986, uh, okay, also okay. uncredited. Um, he was a main character on Max Headroom, <laughs> oh, all right, okay. He's a real, real who's who of '80s shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, considering his age, he was on The Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen one of the episodes he was on. And he was on Moonlighting. Oh, okay. Uh, More Bruce family, Willis stuff. Family ties. One of his earlier credits was on a um, soap opera called The Doctors. Mm. <laughs> now. Do you see where I'm heading with this? Is there an emergency room that these doctors sometimes spend time in? It's possible. Uh, the question is, was he on ER? Without question, he was. <laughs> so you're not that's, You're not asking, you're telling me. Was he, he on was NYPD on ER. Blue? Oh, uh, let's see. I haven't asked I this haven't in a while, these, I know. But I know. Like, he was not on NYPD Blue. I still think he was on ER. I really still do. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, With as big as his career has been. Um, the only things on the page with ER in them is that he played Ernest on The Nanny. And, and in uh, Ernest Goes to School. He appeared in a TV movie called My Wicked, Wicked Ways, The Legend of Errol Flynn. But and, not on the TV series ER. Well, okay. I said without question. I should have said with question. He was on <laughs> ER, and that question should have been: Was he on ER? Um, I don't know. It seems like his career was so big, and he was in so many things. It's just weird that he didn't mm-hmm. bounce onto ER at some point. I know. Well, let me give you one more interesting credit. Okay. He is an Oscar nominee. Really? In 1968, for directing a short film. <laughs> what that uh, not the path i expected at all what was the movie because i'm sure Called, i haven't seen it uh deja or de duva the dove wow that's um that already sounds pretty highfalutin for um for a dude who then wound up doing a character actor bit on home improvement <laughs> it's it looks like it's a, a parody of um well this might have even been for 
no, 68, that's before Saturday Night Live. It's a parody of uh, Ingmar Bergman films. And that got nominated for an Academy Award, a parody short film. That's the equivalent of like a funny or die movie that's making fun of like Moneyball <laughs> hey, getting nominated for the Award. didn't have all these comedy channels. I, I, so, th- so the Academy Awards then were our clearinghouse for those things? Like if you make a comedy short about anything, you immediately get shortlisted? Why? I don't know. I want to see this you now. You do if it's about Ingmar Bergman. I, I big guess. in 68, man. I that guess. two years after Persona. I guess uh, Persona might have just hit America at that point. Yeah. Yes, Persona fever was sweeping the nation. Ingmar Bergman went on the Ed Sullivan show, and you couldn't even hear him talking because of all the girls screaming in the front row. <laughs> George Coe. George Coe. Well, um, I mean, look, I, I remember him best for the um, uh, shopping club warehouse store he invented called Costco, but I think his acting work was great, too. Uh, so from so the the biggest thing that I take away from this scene, aside from George Coe being in it and barely getting an introduction, is this is the same Taylor House exterior rooftop set that we get in season one. And yes. it's... Again, it's, it's, I don't know, it stands out to me simply because it's like we never, you know, famously, we never see the exterior of the Taylor house. This is about as close as we get, a little bit of their rooftop. So I'm just impressed that they, that they stayed true in the look to what they'd done like six years previous. Yeah, they had to have stored that somewhere. Um, Maybe, do you think it is, maybe, maybe it is just the top of the, the set out, out back i don't know maybe do you think they could be that high up i mean i don't think no i i i, I don't think it's like that I, I don't think it's some anything like that i mean I, I don't even know if they saved it they may have just like kind of gone off of a picture from the last time oh, they maybe. did it and rebuilt it i yeah, mean just the the chimney is like a, a takeaway prop that they can hide somewhere else and uh, yeah yeah yeah, I think it's just a flat surface, a bunch of exterior props mm-hmm. that they had in the prop warehouse, and then they stapled fake snow onto all of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, we transition. This is another interesting transition that we got last Christmas, actually, uh, but it's the complete reverse, where we, we drop through the Taylor house, and we see the different levels of the house. We go through like the, the little crawl space at the top where there's a box of Christmas lights, and we see the Taylor bedroom, Tim and Jill's bedroom. The bed's not made, by the way. Ugh. <laughs> and then it drops us into the scene in the kitchen uh, with uh, Jill and her mom. Yes. So uh, in there, in the kitchen, uh, Jill's mom is just kind of gushing to her about how she and Parker met at the supermarket and how they go out dancing every Saturday night. And they, She mentions to her at one point that they went to a square dancing festival in Austin, and Jill is surprised that her mom... Uh, drove all the way to Austin for the day, and Jill's mom says, oh no, we stayed for the weekend, which flips Jill's wig completely. Uh, and Tim comes in with Parker, talking, to, and they're clearly getting along really well. Tim is so excited that Parker is helping him to exploit loopholes in the rules of the uh, uh, decoration contest. And Tim tells Jill that he has invited Parker to tool time, and uh, then... Uh, Jill's mom and Parker are getting ready to go. The whole reason that Parker is in Detroit is that even though he lives in Texas, he has old friends in Detroit, and so they are going to go yep. off and see these old friends. And Jill asks her mom, oh, when, when are you going to be home? And her mom says, oh, don't don't wait up. I've got keys. And uh, <laughs> they leave, and 
Tim and Jill uh, talk a little bit more, and Tim, well, okay, Tim mainly talks about how much he loves Parker and how cool Parker is, and Jill uh, is so angry about what's going on that she chucks the uh, a loaf of her fruitcake at the uh, Partridge family uh, cutout and knocks <laughs> Keith Partridge's head off. Uh-oh. Uh, it seems oh. like Jill's coming apart at the seams. It seems like uh, Jill's fruitcake is pretty dense. <laughs> um... So what makes the point about her mom saying, oh, don't wait up, I've got keys, so potent at that moment, uh, is that when she's talking about when she first met Parker at the grocery store, you know, and their courtship, you know, they, they've gone out dancing uh, mm-hmm. at a place up in Austin. And she's like, you went up to Austin to dance for an, just for the day? And she's like, oh, we made a weekend of it. Mm-hmm. And that's all all that's said, but what's conveyed on like Jill's face is like, they fucked. Are you kidding me? My mom. My fucks. mom is having a sexual relationship with somebody. She's had sex and more so- than five times in her life. <laughs> what? Um so when her mom says don't wait up, it it you know, to her it's saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do some stuff with pancakes tonight that you don't want to no. hear about. <laughs> No, they're going to do stuff with Christmas cakes if they're going to do anything, and we are not oh, horning it up right. on the Lord's Day. There's a whole, yeah, you're right. See, now you're getting it. There's a whole world. You can do things with candy canes. No, um, you can't do things with candy canes. What do you, oh, God. I, okay, I'm just, I'm just avoiding that completely because I can't go back to horny jail. It's like a three strikes you're out situation. But I, I, what I think like that scene spoke to me too or that specific moment in the scene spoke to me too for a different reason that it's jill asking her mother wait when are you going to be home and her mother being like i'm going out with my boyfriend i don't care about curfew it's it's a beautiful reversal of roles for me like i i guess i didn't see like jill is definitely disturbed by the notion of her mother being a sexual being uh Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. I, in that moment, I saw Jill's reaction less being like, oh, they're going to, they're going to, like, I guess what, have sex in the car after meeting his friends as a couple of people in their 70s. And more uh, like, oh, my, my mom is, my mom and I have swapped roles. I used to be like my mom, and now my mom is like me. That's what I thought it was. I don't know. Your mileage uh, may vary. Y- yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm completely on board with you there. I got distracted. Um, something, something shiny in the apartment? <laughs> something something so shiny uh I, yeah i don't know i don't have too much else that we haven't touched on for this scene um i i do i do i kind of but i kind of wish they leaned into that a little bit more like made made lillian a little more girlish you know like a little more schoolgirly. like she's giddy about it and like you know being a little reckless and and really playing up that role reversal which they don't entirely do but she she is being she is being pretty schoolgirlish. i mean this scene starts with with her mom volunteering this information like well we met in the frozen vegetable section at the supermarket and then we then in paper goods he gave me his life story and we exchanged numbers in pet foods now listen truman i'm not saying you should know uh the lives of teenage girls i don't think a lot of shit happens in the grocery store. I I mean, look, I, look I, the reason that I didn't date much in high school is because I was just hanging out in the frozen <laughs> vegetable section waiting to meet a woman who loved frozen cauliflower as much as I did. And the fact that no girls were there doesn't mean that, that teenage girls don't like 
uh, frozen <laughs> vegetables, it means that I went to a high school full of women who were not worthy. That's that's the real issue. Okay, all right. Yeah, I see. Thank all right. You. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with nothing wrong with a guy who likes to get his frozen veg on. Um, um, I will say there, there's one of my favorite jokes of the episode happens here where, um, as she's telling Jill about, you know, oh, we met in the frozen food aisle and then we started swapping life stories, uh, in the paperbacks or, you know, the, the magazine section and Jill <laughs> says, well, let me guess by the time you got to check out, you guys were an item. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize I didn't even catch that until now. I didn't even catch the wordplay. That's really good. My, I thought it was good. For what it's worth, my favorite bit from this is that when, you know, uh, uh, Jill's mom and, and Parker have left, and Tim is talking to Jill, who is fuming, and he says, Parker's yeah. a great guy. Hey, how'd you feel about him becoming a part of the family? And Jill throws the, the, the fruitcake at, mm-hmm. the, at the partridge cutout. And Tim, th- this is one of these moments where Tim shows what he's learned about comedy, because he just, like, he's just silently looks at the cutout and then he looks back at Jill and then he looks back at the cutout and he's just like silent and kind of thinks about it for a second, chooses his words and goes, you throw pretty good for a girl. (laughs) Which again, I mean, I probably would have had a bone to pick with that several seasons ago, but the way he plays it is just so like, I don't know how to respond to this. I cannot process this (laughs) level of emotion. Again, a few seasons ago, she would have been throwing that fruitcake over something Tim did. Yes. <laughs> so him then calling her a throwing like a girl has all the more, you know, prickliness to it. Bystander Tim is my favorite kind of Tim. <laughs> I, I, there's one thing, I, as Jill and Tim's conversation continues, I, I realize I haven't given props to the set department in a while. Yeah. Uh, which is just always consistently good. But there was a detail in the garage that like blew my mind how good it was. Yeah. There's Jill's car in there. The not the Studebaker, the Nomad. The yeah, Nomad, the Nomad is yeah. in the Yeah, the one that had the beam stuff. I don't know if you remember seeing the car in this episode. But I, I Okay, I do remember seeing the car in this episode, but I don't want to steal your thunder in case you saw the same thing I did. It is caked in like road salt and dirt yes as if it were driving through a michigan winter road yes agree i know i specifically noticed like the car is dirty it's not gleaming and pristine they dirtied it it looks driven and like that's not the reality of that car sitting on the the disney lot you know no one's driving that around yeah right yeah exactly they they sprayed that car full of dirt to make it look like a like it's been driven on a on a Michigan road. And that was just a level of like chef's kiss detail to me. It's again, it's the technical expertise at work on this show. It was last week with the, with the, the camera work. It was this week with the Photoshopping and editing of the wise men. And then this, like the technical crew for this show Mm -hmm. is just, they, they know what they need to do to get the show out there. And now they're just challenging themselves every episode. And it really shows. It's really beautiful. Just like the people, just like the transition department. <laughs> Ugh, yes, yes. Um, so, okay. So we come back from commercial mm-hmm. break, unless you have more about that last scene. Uh, Jill gets uh, put into a Christmas stocking. And it takes us, <laughs> transitions us to a commercial and uh, back to the tool time. Yes. Well, it's not to do So, no, it's not to do it because it takes us back to. I think actually the thing that you're referencing with them in the garage is in this next scene. Uh, because. Oh, 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 I skipped ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. Because we come back 
and Tim is piecing the uh, Partridge family thing back together, and his first words are, what have you got against Keith Partridge? He's not dating your mother. And um, <laughs> right. that actually might be my funniest joke of the episode. I love that. It's it's really good. <laughs> and then Jill is Jill is just upset about the situation. She's upset that her mother is bragging about her tawdry square dancing weekend. And she says, I can just see them do-si-doing around naked. And then, again... <laughs> Tim's reaction, he doesn't say anything. He just makes, like, 18 different faces that are all hilarious. <laughs> um, and, then, and, then they, and then they walk into the garage, and Jill is just talking okay, about how yeah. she's mad at Tim for being so chummy with <laughs> Parker, and why was Tim never that, you know, t- Tim never invited uh, Jill's father to come to Tool Time, and Tim is pointing out, well, your father hated me, and he hated Tool Time. He never would have done it. Parker is a cool dude who likes me. And, um... <laughs> And basically, Jill is saying, I need to talk to my mom about this. I need to tell her tell her how much this is bothering me. And Tim said, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. It's Christmas time. This isn't when you tell people how you feel. And <laughs> so that's that's that scene. That's that, that next scene. That's, that that's, scene. that's where we're All in right. the same room as this dirty-ass nomad. Hey. Uh, that's hey, where we get the stocking transition. Yeah. You want to know a real dirty nomad? It's, it's, um, it's the guy who wandered the desert for so many years um and died for our sins. That's right, Jesus, folks. That's what this episode's really about. The dirtiest nomad of all. Not dirty in a sex way, dirty in a dust way. You don't know what he did with candy cane. I I guess I you're right. I I don't know what he did with candy canes land, nor did I know that in in ancient Israel that they were capable of making uh uh confectionaries of that of that particular shape. Well, that's what was lost with those uh the first 30 years of his life. Yeah, so <laughs> there's they, they hid away the recipe for candy canes and that's that untold story. They, they hid away the recipe for candy canes as well as the uh the candy sutra which shows you how to use them for uh, <laughs> for dirty purposes. Um 100% that has to be a novelty book. Oh, I know, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure it's I mean, uh, you know, if not uh, if not in print then at least on the internet. Um, one thing that I do like about this scene in the garage is that Jill, for a moment here, is very clearly transferring her anger at her mother for replacing her father in her eyes. Yeah. She's clearly she transferring... She's happier with Parker than she was with Dad. Yes. She is clearly transferring that anger for a little bit onto Tim and, like, you never invited my dad to go to Tool Time, but you invited Parker to go to Tool Time. Right. Do you like Parker better than my dad? I, I just... And, and she doesn't stick with it very long, and it, it doesn't become yeah. a big thing, and that's fine. I, I just, I, I thought that was, again, th- th- there's some real psychology going on in this show. And sure. like that's And you're watching Jill processing this and dealing with it with the people around her, and I thought that, that was a cool moment. That was that was intelligent uh, writing. Yeah, I agree. Um, we get a, the stocking transition. Uh, Jill gets stuffed into a stocking, and we go to tool time. Yes. Uh, Heidi's descending a ladder, uh, introducing the show. George Co. Uh, Parker is sitting in the audience. Um, Did not even notice him know, there. Say, saying tool time. Well, they never, <laughs> which is so weird because he doesn't come up on the episode at all. I, I was <laughs> They think- don't bring him out. They don't call him out. They don't have a cutaway to him except for this one shot. I, it, it's so wild to me because when they said we invite him to be on tool time, I assumed like, oh, he's going to be the guest because Tim just 
invites people who have nothing to do with Random tools onto people. a show. Oh, honestly, right. George Coe, or I'm sorry, Parker, an engineer, probably has like relevant shit he could talk about on this show yeah, more right. so than the dude who invented cherry burgers or whatever. <laughs> uh, I. Did you also notice, Landon, the two Marines in full dress uniform in yes. the front row? They were I, sitting right next to George Coe, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was I focused on them. I guess I didn't see George Coe because I was like, why? Marines? Um, anyway, it is uh, almost Halloween, and this week on Tool Time, they are uh, looking at those last-minute gifts you can get. Um, Everybody. They... I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone at home, I oh, think boy. we all know what's going on. Landon, what holiday what? is it almost? Christmas? Okay, it is almost Christmas, and I don't want to be a dick, but you did say it's almost Halloween, and they're looking at those last-minute gifts, and I just want to say that I want to lift up and celebrate the fact that you love Halloween so much that you've conflated <laughs> it with Christmas in your head. Without even noticing. Uh, I, wow. I would I, have gone on the rest of my life I, not having realized I did that. That's why we have co-hosts on podcasts. I was sitting there with my head cocked <laughs> thinking like, I don't want to break up his flow, but I also know that all of the listeners are cocking their heads and waiting for me to jump in. <laughs> so I had to call it out. <laughs> anyway uh, all right okay so, so so bats are flying around there's cobwebs are flying. Up, skeletons a... yes it's the most it's wonderful Halloween. time of the year <laughs> <laughs> they want to cover the last minute gift ideas uh they walk over to the table to show some products but they really don't get to anything except this white noise machine yeah uh where tim says oh there's a babbling brook and blah 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 but i like this one pushes it and it's a bunch of nascar r- racing um yep then uh tim, tim says, likes you know NASCAR. what doesn't he he's like i gotta i got a big surprise for the rest of you give me one second i'm gonna hop in the back and get it uh and al takes this opportunity to say you know uh we also have some uh interesting uh home video gifts that you can get uh heidi hits a button the the spindle wall turns around and we see the home binford home entertainment corner where al introduces a series of how-to videos including silence of the lamps because it's all about how to get your light fixtures to stop buzzing (laughs) uh glueless because it's uh how you learn to use nails instead of adhesives to put things up and of course the nutty compressor now, this is just a picture on the cover of Tim in a lab coat with big fake protruding teeth holding a compressor. And what does Al say, the, Landon? I think, I think the same compressor from the pilot episode. Oh, Jesus. That is nutty. No, but, what, <laughs> but what does Al say about the nutty compressor? Uh, what, what does he say? He says, they love this one in France. Because, folks, The Nutty Professor, the original one, had Jerry Lewis in it. And you see, Jerry Lewis was at some point somewhat popular in France, and an entire generation of comedy writers absorbed that (laughs) as the only thing they knew about France. Then, uh, of course, you hear the the engine roar, and Tim decides to drive out through the bay doors a little red wagon. And by little, I mean gigantic. And it is filled with toys. And if you think this is leading somewhere... Yeah, what, what, what is it going to do? Nope. Like, they, they've clearly put a lot of money into building slash renting this massive motorized red yeah. wagon. So yeah, tell me, please, Landon, like, what bit then emerges once Tim drives out in it? 
Uh, he parks it. Yeah. And yeah. smiles at Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> and then a big cloth transitions us. The Santa's bag transitions us to the next scene. Yep, yep, yep. A a punishing case of comedy blue balls. We all expected <laughs> anything to happen with that. Anything. Like, like the like he doesn't even crash the wagon. It, and he's bringing toys out. Like it's not even like tool time specific. It's not tools. It's it's not motors. It's a thing full of stuffed animals. It, it's it's there's so many like unfired Chekhov's guns in this because not only is Parker <laughs> in the audience, so you're thinking, okay, Parker's yeah. gonna come into play. Also, yep. Tim at the beginning of the episode is wearing a Toys for Tots sweatshirt yeah. and Toys for and Tots. There is. Toys for Tots is is blazoned on the side of this big motorized radio flyer wagon as well. And, and Toys for Tots is, you know, it's a charity drive that's been happening for like 80 years involving local police and who? The U.S. Marine Corps. And there's Marines in the uh-huh. audience. So I'm thinking oh, he's going to drive out. Fun. The Marines are going to come down to like, oh, I'm donating the toys for Toys for Tots. I bet I can do more push-ups than you Marines or something like that. No, nothing. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> He just shows up in a wagon, and the joke is that he's driving a big wagon. It's seven seasons of this show, and this is what we're doing? I, I'm i not even mad. I'm just surprised. I'm, all, what, I'm looking at the toys, too, right now, and I'm shocked that it's, like, not even Disney toys. They're mostly, like, I see the Tasmanian Devil. What? I think it's, it's either the Roadrunner Road Runner or Foghorn Glacorn. All these Warner uh, Brothers toys? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it is kind of like you put the pieces together. Toys for Tots, Marines, driving out. It's it, this is the ultimate IKEA joke. You, you know, we we pioneered it, but but really, Home Improvement pioneered it. Um, I mean, do do you think there's all the Warner Brothers toys? Did was was did Space Jam come out in 1997? Is that why suddenly, or is this just the time period after Space Jam when briefly like? The Looney Tunes were showing up on athletic gear, and it was cool to yeah, like Tweety it, Bird. Probably, probably a little bit of that. Um, I'm also seeing this is very 90s. Uh, a killer whale. I can't see if it's Shamu, well, well, <laughs> but I, I, killer whales were huge in the 90s. Yeah, what other killer whale? Like, how many famous killer whales were there in the 90s or any well, I decade think, for that matter? I think Shamu. I think Shamu became such a big thing. I don't know if the Shamu brand was like trademarked by SeaWorld or not. So they just started doing knockoff <laughs> killer whale dolls. I don't the, know. Yeah, the Shamu brand or the Bramu as as it was known uh, in the Shamu marketing department. Um yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I also just want to know like where'd they get the the wagon? Like I uh, clearly clearly they didn't build it for the shoot. You want to know where? I want to know why. <laughs> Well, I mean, it must just be it was on the lot for something else, or they rented yeah. it from. I don't know. There's the there's the car shop in the valley right across the street from the Zanku Chicken that I go to, where like they had. The, it's the same place that built the Batmobile from the '60s Batman TV yeah. show, and like Herman Munster's coffin car. Like, did that dude make the red wagon car for like a Christmas special? And it was like, hey, let's. You know, here's five thousand dollars. We'll rent it for one bit on tool time. I I, I don't know. I, it's maybe, and the money maybe went to a good good cause. I like to think maybe there was a home improvement, you know, uh, a charity drive or something outside of the episode, and one they were just kind of like 
pulling some stuff together. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll give it benefit of the doubt. Um, we get a Santa's uh, bag transition to uh, the backyard. Mm-hmm. Wilson's blacking out his windows to be able to sleep uh, because of Tim's light show <laughs> that's going on. <laughs> uh, Tim is on the roof. And he says, okay, three, two, one. And he tests out his lights. <laughs> and Wilson puts on a pair of sunglasses as Jill tries to, <laughs> to talk to him. Uh, he tells Jill, Wilson tells Jill, don't look directly into the Jesus. That Actually, that yeah, that is the funniest line in the episode, possibly the series. <laughs> that cracked me uh, up. Jill wanted to give Wilson his present, uh, sets it on the fence, and it... Is a fruitcake. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she she finally gives up her her crusade of calling it a cake with fruit in it and mm-hmm. says that it's fruitcake. She says she's upset about the new boyfriend. Starts talking to Wilson about it. He um, gives her some philosophical advice. Uh, and do you have what that was? By the way, uh, the advice uh, uh, she's quoting Blake, and he says, "I was angry with Blake, my friend. It. I told my wrath." My wrath could end. Yeah, that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I felt that. So Basically, many times. what he's saying here is like, because she's worried, you know, if I tell her I'm going to ruin her Christmas. And he's like, well, if you don't, you might ruin everybody else's, mm-hmm. which I think is the good hook of the episode. But yes. that, the, the threat of that doesn't bore out in any of the other characters or any of the other situations. You know, Jill's. Issue doesn't affect her mom's relationship with Parker. It's not hampering, you know, Tim's fun on the roof. It's not affecting the boys at all. You know, it's just, I don't know. To me, that's a little more interesting, but... I no, I, I I agree. Like to the extent that she briefly is projecting her feelings about her mom onto Tim earlier... Yeah. It happens for a few lines, and then it's resolved within the scene. It's not an ongoing thing, and Jill... Right. Like, like that would have been the stronger way for this episode to play out. Like, maybe we didn't need that, a tool time scene? I, I don't know. I know, that's kind of where I'm feeling, is like, I kind of wanted this to either be, you know, go full bore emotional and deal with that, or go full bore, um, you know, comical and over the top and, and really get into the, the spirit of Tim's light show and, you know, the, the slapstickiness of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it kind of, I don't know, straddles the line, and it's not bad. It just, you know, happens to fall in the middle there. So Yes. Uh, the other thing is uh, we see uh, Tim's light display um, being a little intrusive on Wilson, who uh, we see finally the Santa Claus going down the track, which goes over the fence and through Wilson's backyard up and down like a roller coaster. And yeah. Wilson yells at Tim here, keep your freaking Santa out of my yard. And yes. um, the thing, Wilson, is you maybe should have said that when he was setting up the track. Yes, thank Santa you. Claus. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're a little late you. on that. Yes. the tr- you like It was not easy for him to set up this elaborate metal track that seemingly loops twice through your yard. You could have talked about it then. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is the, the the Santa Claus folks. If you're trying to envision what this is like, if you've seen the movie Hook 
and how Rufio, when he first shows up, is like skateboarding on this elaborate ramp setup. <laughs> it's kind of like that. I don't know why it made me think of Rufio, but that's that's what I got from it. No, it's got Rufio vibes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, big roof energy. Uh, it goes from Tim's roof and then over Wilson's roof. Um, there you go. <laughs> And so at the beginning of this scene, when when Wilson is explaining to Jill that he's just uh, uh, blacking out his windows so he can get some sleep, yep. uh, Jill goes, oh, have you got ins- insomnia? And Wilson goes, no, Timsomnia, which is both very good and makes me think about a movie where Wilson has to go to Alaska to try and solve a cold case murder, <laughs> but he is bedeviled both by his own guilt for inadvertently shooting his partner as well as the uh, uh, unending Alaskan son. Um, yes. I uh, would watch it. I, I would watch it too. Listen, I would for- watch it both in in Swedish and the, the remake. Yeah, the and the Christopher remake. Nolan version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Earl Hindman could do Al Pacino in Insomnia, but Al Pacino could not do Wilson. That's that's my belief. I think you're right. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, I like Al Pacino couldn't have something blocking his face for, for every scene. He would, he would. <laughs> the, the fence wouldn't be there. He would have eaten it. He, he, he's chewing that scenery. He's it, Yes, it, exactly. You'd have, you'd have the fence there and you'd just go, she's got a great big and it would just blast the fence away. Uh, oh my god! And oh, okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah. So Jill, Jill is lamenting to Wilson that the situation with her mom is making her so crazy that she's throwing. I'm going to start a lamenting jar for you. you. You should. You should start a lamenting jar. I'm not going to put. I'm, you can put dollars in it. I'm not going to put dollars in it. Um, <laughs> because, because like the, the jar for when I mix up the boys, that's accidental. I know full well what I'm doing when I write lamenting. And the fact is, you know, I'm a writer. I'm choosing. So you got to put words. in $5 a time because it's, it's more of a crime. No, no, uh, no, no, I, it's only, I should only have to contribute to it. If we both agree, it's a bad thing. You have a problem with it. I've just found my new favorite word and it's a word about being sad. <laughs> Welcome right. to 2022. Okay, all right. So, uh, uh, Jill is uh, lamenting to Wilson that the situation is making her so crazy that she's throwing baked goods at Keith Partridge. And she says to Wilson, what do you think? And Wilson goes, well, he's no Greg Brady. Um, and it's, I, I th- there have been a lot of bits like this recently where somebody makes a reference and then asks Wilson what he thinks and Wilson comments, like Wilson is purposefully obtuse in order to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. That's a type of humor that never gets He's old. He's got to nothing me. on Greg Brady. No, <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. Um, that's all I got. We okay. We get some uh, Santa going down the tracks, the railroad, uh, the roller coaster tracks, uh, transitioning us to the kitchen. It's yes. Christmas Day. Uh, Jill's mom has come downstairs. Uh, this is finally coming to a head. Jill wants to say something to her. Um. Jill's mom even picks up on it like what's your what's your fucking problem dude and Get, spit it out Jill, bitch <laughs> Jill Jill finally decides to let it all out and mm-hmm. you know says I feel like you're replacing dad and uh, you know shouldn't you feel bad about that and guilty and Jill's mom's like I do I do I feel guilty every day I put him out you know I didn't say yes to Parker for months when he asked me out because I felt guilty and I felt like it was wrong. And I finally, you don't know how hard it was for me to open back up to somebody. And, uh, that, you know, when Jill says, well, you know, I just feel like dad's been replaced and her mom goes, no way, bro. Yeah. It ain't like that. (laughs) Homie don't play. 
no one can replace dad. Uh, he holds such a place in my heart, and it breaks my heart that he's not here w- with us on Christmas this year. Um, but you know, I gotta, I gotta get my groove back. I gotta, you know, Stella's gotta keep moving. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and she's gotta keep grooving too. <laughs> Jill's like, okay, I understand. I'm not gonna be happy about it. The fact that you're feeling guilty makes me feel good. Um, that's not what I meant, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and she's like, let me give you the present. Yes. So she takes a uh, Jill. Jill. She takes her mom over to the Christmas tree. And gives her the present, uh, the the retouched photo of their wedding day, and uh, her mom loves it, and uh, they they reminisce over, you know, how beautiful she looked and, and how handsome her father was, and yada 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 yada. This is the this is the <laughs> Seinfeld ASMR tape. <laughs> These pretzels are making me thirsty, Jerry. Um, so. A very sweet scene. Great acting in this scene. It's just Jill and her mom together in the kitchen. Uh, and a lot of heartfelt stuff. When, you know, when they get into the meat of it, and when Jill's mom yeah. says that not having your dad around tears my heart out, no matter how hard I try to move on, and Jill says, you don't know how happy that makes me. And, like, it's been very intense, and she, Jill go, and and this is the most intense part of the scene, her mom saying that it tears her heart out. And Jill goes, you don't know how happy that makes me. It is simultaneously a, uh, we as the audience feel it as, wow, Jill has gotten some catharsis and inner peace from hearing this about her mom, and we're happy for Jill. And then we also laugh because that's a funny thing to say, and they've constructed <laughs> a situation in which this can be both. both I like that. True. Yeah. And then Jill go- and then Jill here's what she said and goes, well, not happy. That sounded odd. And her mom kind of just dismisses her and they both hug. Yeah. It's just, it's just a very sweet and naturalistic moment. And I just love seeing I, yeah, something absolutely. like this. It's I, yeah. no argument for me. It is it, 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 really great writing. Um, I, and I don't, I don't begrudge the moments that they find. As I said, the shorthand allows them to get to these places. Yes. Uh, it's, it's more just the general structure of the show that, uh, of these some of these episodes i'm just like oh okay well we've we've been here before and yeah. maybe maybe that is what contributes to that shorthand uh to allow us to get to these places I, um i don't know i for, for me and i've had a lot of structural complaints about the series certainly in the past and i still do i'm i'm you know i'm a, i'm i'm a, i'm a structure queen what can i say <laughs> but uh i i think that the I don't know. I, I think that in this season especially, and, and to some degree last season, they finally kind of solved the structure issue in that just, like, there aren't just these weird meandering episodes like, yeah. I don't know, Jill's birthday or, or or the one where she has to give a speech to the library fundraiser and the whole episode is just her kind of procrastinating and weird stuff happening. Like, now every episode <laughs> follows a sitcom structure that I'm used to, so even if it is... Right formulaic i'm just like okay great the the bones of this make sense to me i'm i can now focus on the uh (laughs) tissue and internal organs of of dialogue and character development within that well Um, we're done with the holiday episodes uh for the season so we'll see how they fare with the rest of the season yes um now that they have to get creative with their stories I, I, true, true. It could, it could get way better. It could get way worse. We have some, I know, I know some of the stories that are coming up and we got some interesting ones ahead. 
Okay, I mean, look, like, we've already had Randy potentially having cancer, and we've already had Mark being a goth, so I don't know what is left for us. (laughs) Um, I do want to say, there is a, there are, after they, they hug it out, uh, they're reminiscing yep. about how in Christmas mornings, uh, dad used to wake up early to make his famous apple pancakes for everybody. And then whenever he'd <laughs> leave the room, they'd all feed them to the dog. And Joel's mom goes, do you think that's what killed the dog? <laughs> just very funny. Just very funny. It was a good moment. The other thing. Do you, do you have anything else from this scene? I have one more thing. I No, no, no. I really had nothing for the scene. So at the end of the scene, they're reminiscing over the photo and they're talking about how good they both yeah. look. And Jill comments on her mom's alabaster skin, which is, I don't, I, I, a little bit weird. I, I like that's not the thing. It's just a little bit weird. But then she, her mom says, "Oh well, the reason <laughs> I that's, that's that weird. That's because the the wedding dress was so tight that I that there was getting no circulation to my face." And they laugh about it and. You know, Jill, Jill saying, oh, and there's dad in his spotless military <laughs> uniform complete with his <laughs> sword. You know, what do you even have yeah. it for? Was he going to use that to cut the cake or something? And Jill's mom says, no, he used it to cut me out of my dress afterwards. And I I, I don't know. I, I like it on a thematic level that Jill is so put off by the notion that her mother might be having sex with this other guy. But then at the end of the episode <laughs> and everything is resolved, Jill still must grapple with the fact that her mother was also intimate with her father. <laughs> I, I, and, and also that maybe they're freaks because like, like, A, the we- a wedding dress is very expensive. So slicing yeah. it open with a sword, like, like... I mean, I don't know. Also, what, what I, don't know, I don't know that quite constitutes freaky. Uh, I, I mean, th- even if they were using it as role play, that's that's still I don't know a few few rungs below freaky. Landon, it's a sword. You're fucking, and there's a sword involved. That's freaky. Listen, if you, you want to talk about candy canes. <laughs> Landon, then we could talk about getting freaky. I don't want to talk about candy canes, but I will say that no one has ever like severed their femoral artery with a candy cane that I'm aware of. But that happens a lot with swords, or at least a lot more than True. it does with candy canes. Have you? Okay, you've never seen Zorro. I've seen. Okay, I've seen what where he cuts Catherine Zeta Jones's clothes off. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I was 13. I was very supportive of that scene happening. But it's not like they were. But it wasn't like uh, I'm I'm Zorro and we're we're having an intimate moment together. It was like Catherine Zeta Jones was trying to it's, stop Zorro from doing something, and he cuts her clothes off. It's incidentally the whole sexy. scene is foreplay. I mean, look, it's a sexy movie. Okay, it's got Catherine Zeta Jones and Antonio Banderas. It's two very sexy people at their height of their sexiness. Yeah. It, it yes. could be them. It could be them. It makes Anthony Hopkins sexy. They could be they could be collating their receipts for tax season, and it would be hot. Yes. Okay, that's just them. Um, but that that whole scene is is meant to be foreplay between the two characters. Okay, yes, it's I I agree. That's their meat cute. That it is their meat cute, and it is a sexually charged scene. But it's not like it's our wedding night. We're gonna have sex, and there's a sword here. <laughs> what if they did that on, you know, with foreplay with a sword? What they would do on their wedding night with a sword? So anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> n- next scene we're out back. Again, I mean, I, I, again, again, Landon. It's like if not horny jail, at least horny community service. <laughs> 
uh, or some kind of horny restorative justice situation where we have to write letters to all the people who listen to us talk about this. All right, all right. Okay, okay. Uh, we get a Christmas bulb transition to the backyard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's time for Tim to throw on the light display, and he does, and uh, the lights shine bright. Santa goes round and round and round on his little track until uh, he goes back up through the loop and crashes falls down the the roof and into the front yard where Brad peeks his head in and says, dad, Santa bounced off of three cars. And then Randy pops in and uh, Tim asks, well, what did the judges think? And Randy says, well, we'll let you know as soon as he wakes up. <laughs> and that's basically the scene. Yeah. But there's a lot that I want to compliment uh, the, the crew on here. Um, for one thing, this is just a beautiful set. Mm-hmm. The the lights, the colored lights being mm-hmm. strung about is yep. just like beautiful. A, mm-hmm. the snow on the ground always looks realistic. Yes. Um, the depth that they go, like, so there's the track, obviously, and then <clears throat> a little bit of the lights hanging. But then the two Rudolphs uh, are in the back, two reindeer, I should say, are by the, the gazebo, the swing gazebo in the back mm-hmm. uh and they'd set out some like little mini christmas trees around the backyard I, it's just it's like a mini winter wonderland um really really dig what they did with this uh set design here it it is the most involved of i think all of the christmas displays we've seen so far and the fact that it has actual moving parts not just in terms of this the animatronic is... dudes but the santa on the sleigh what i was the other thing i was going to bring up is like we only four episodes, three or four episodes ago, saw CGI seltzer water. You think? Oh no, Here we didn't we, have a- we did not agree it was CGI seltzer water landed. <laughs> I hit the majority vote on Discord. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, you're right. This is what I get for closing Discord two weeks ago and not reopening it. Maybe I didn't see this voting happen. <laughs> um. But they do like the fact that this is a real Santa track that they have going. Um, I now there's we don't see the full thing. It could actually be in a couple different pieces. One of it goes down, another one goes up. You know, so they might have like three different Santas. Yeah. But what I like about you, you call out um, uh, Jeffrey Nelson's direction all the time. I think this is a pretty great shot as well because it starts from like inside the Taylor house. Mm-hmm. And then pushes in on the family. I guess it's not one shot, but we do get a cutaway um, to the backs of them as we watch the Santa go down and around. Um, but there's somebody on the roof <laughs> that once the Santa goes back up, someone just takes one of the Santas and just throws it. <laughs> and you barely see it bounce off the roof in the background, but you can definitely catch it. Uh, and I don't know that mixed with the sound effects that they have there. It just it made for a pretty funny scene. It it is it is funny. It is, like it just the the kind of kinetic energy of the whole thing is is fun. <laughs> it's been a while since we've watched a big Tim disaster. Yeah, and this isn't even that big of a disaster. It's just I don't know everything about it works pretty well for me. Yeah. Um. So we get our singer where uh, it's tool time. Tim and Al are talking about uh now that the holidays are over. It's time to talk about exchanging your gifts, and what better thing to get to exchange that old ratty, shitty thing you got that you didn't want than for one of our home videos, our how-to videos. And what video are they talking about this time? They're talking about... Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow. They're talking about Look Who's Cocking. And it's (laughs) two babies 
in tool belts. We we get to watch the video this time, yeah. We get to watch it. It's two babies in tool belts, one of them voiced by Tim, one of them voiced by Al, describing how to <laughs> caulk a bathtub, and the Tim, the, the one that Tim is doing okay. the voice of says a thing. Use your words. And the one that Al is doing the voice of says a thing, and then cautions Tim not to do it a certain way lest he have an accident, and then the one voiced by Tim... Whilst looking down at his diaper, says, uh, I think I already have had one. Um, there's some <laughs> grunting in this scene. I'm just going to tell you. The, I know we haven't gotten oh, to that wow. part yet, but there's some grunting. That Tim voicing oh, the baby Tim no. does some grunting. But the grunts, like, it sounds like Tim mm. doing an impression or a parody of himself doing the grunts. Like, they sound like a sea lion almost. Oh, it's, well, it is. Isn't that the whole... There's a... I think... Isn't that the joke? I think they mention an animal. No, I do. Hold on. I'm going to hold on. Hold on. Pause. uh, I'm going to have you edit this out of the episode. I'm going to watch this scene and we're going to get to the bottom of this. So hold on one second. Here we go. Hmm. Shit. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'm uh, we've listened to the we've listened to the tape. Yes. And there was an accident on on my behalf. (laughs) Oh wow! Yeah, you I, shit your yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah. My no, my diaper is the one that is that is full here. Um, okay, no, but I can I can I can correct for that. I can correct for that with the grunt count. Okay, that was a joke about seals. That was not grunting. Okay, yes. gotcha. Yes, but there there is one at the very end. Yes, though, there is which that, that one I'm still counting. It's a callback to the joke of the seal, but it's meant to be a grunt in and of itself. Which is why that one counts. So that one it does. does count. Yes. Well that changes my guess then. I well yeah, Landon, it's that's Wow. You know, that's the grunt work of the show. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some math uh while we finish out what's left of this episode. Um we go back to our outtakes after that hilarious stinger where Tim can't say octagonal <laughs> okay, I, uh, as far as the TV or uh, stop sign, this might be the f- the first funny bloop I've seen on the show because it's yeah. The, I never knew Detroit had first stop funny. signs. Seven seasons, you hate every outtake. I don't know. There's just never been a bloop that really made me laugh. But this one, what you know, I never knew Detroit had stop signs. And Tim Allen going those octagonal red things, yeah. And then he stops. He looks at the camera and he goes, "Are they o- octagonal? Are they?" And someone off off screen is like, "Yeah." He goes. I, I don't know. I just scared myself with that word. I'm not sure. And it's like, I, I, I found that very humanizing and, and funny and real. Uh, but what's funny is that the actual line in the episode is those round red things. So he just completely does away with the actual word, which he was saying correctly. Yes, I know. I and Because there's several more bits of him trying to say octagonal or octagonal, and he keeps blowing it up. So then in the actual episode, he says round. I, it's it's fun. That also is funny to me that you can see the process by which they, yeah. they simplified the but, script for him. <laughs> I don't understand why they simplified it. He was saying the right word I, and I, saying it correctly. I, I don't know. Maybe they just had a cleaner take of him with round okay. as opposed to octagonal or octagonal. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's too distracting. One of those, like, uh, you know, you hyper, as a comedian, you hyper-focus on what's a funnier word, and mm-hmm. if something's mm-hmm. getting in the way of the joke, you do away with the distracting word and move on with the funnier premise. You know, as Irv Schmeyman told us, pants are funny, 
Vomit is funny. <laughs> Octagons are not fucking funny. Yeah, I know. Like Tim, you know, Tim got some good advice from him, and maybe you ben, know what's yeah. You know what's funny? What's funny? Polygons. Polygons are hilarious because it starts with a P. It's a plosive. It's a hard E. It's a, it, you start with a hard consonant, and it doesn't give you a specific shape in mind. No. No, you just know if that if you it's... hear octagonal or hexagonal, you're like you're trying to do math in your head. Polygon is just like, oh, that's a that's a shape. Yeah, polygon. You're just thinking of like computer animated characters. You're just <laughs> thinking about Buzz and Woody hanging out. Um, I have two questions for you. Yes. One, I'm I'm thinking about cutting, but uh, I'm gonna ask it to you. And if it's not funny, I'll leave it to you to edit it out of the episode. The, the, Truman, the, the, if we if Gruntwork had a series of how to videos, what would they be? If, what, well, like, what would they be called or what would they be about? Either, either or both. Uh, they would be called, uh, uh, our, okay. our, our home videos would be called Overanalyze This. <laughs> <laughs> and Overanalyze That. Yes. Okay. And we could only make two of them and then there would be no more. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Can you, can you think of anything we'd call them? Like, uh, uh no i can't i i've been trying to trying to think of a few but they're all I, like very obscure art <laughs> i guess we could do one where we talk about um kind of the importance of drinking soda in moderation and we could call that sprite club um uh <laughs> these are just starting to sound like night's episodes now i i'm well honestly yes i, I you're you're just you thank your lucky stars i'm not veering into any tarantino references here oh um, dear fucking god let's end this and, episode. Oh, wait, and no and um, there'd be and there'd be we we do one about uh, time travel and be called the land and before time uh you fucker yeah uh, <laughs> hey, excuse me i i didn't i didn't hit the one pop culture reference to your name that you don't want so we're, we're okay i didn't okay, run a foul right. of it. you did you said tarantino oh, um okay the uh what do we learn from this episode uh we learned that um you know sometimes uh sometimes at christmas mm. you need to be honest with people and also uh, look I, the problem with this is that my and remember and my what we learned this week are kind of the same thing what we learned this week okay. folks is that Jill's mom fucks and that we all need to be okay with it <laughs> Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, um. I'm. Uh, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I think. I think that's what you're, we you're not. No, but we. You know what? It's in the background of this episode is is the Christmas party, the the Christmas day, the the festivities. Yeah. They don't. I mean, outside of the light contest. So I mean, it's not really a big Christmas. It's it's more of a a little Christmas. Yeah. It's an intimate affair. Would you say? It's. Uh, I would say it's an intimate affair. Yes. Yeah. It. It. It is. That's. Um. You know. It's a. It's a small Christmas. It's a. Uh, it's a, an exclusive, Christmas party, mm-hmm. uh, a few people sipping on eggnog, uh, mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gathering under the mistletoe. Uh, yeah, it gives adults the chance to celebrate the Christmas season, with friends and family and colleagues. Yeah, an office, like an office Christmas party. An office Christmas party, yeah. Yeah, yeah an office Christmas party. A shindig, a, a gathering, a get-together, a, a hoedown, a hootenanny, <laughs> a, um, a boot-scootin' boogie. I'm I'm veering out of Christmas territory now. <laughs> well, I gave you a chance. You um, did, and I, I squandered you, you, it like I do every week. 
You let your people down, Truman. Uh, <laughs> let my people down. <laughs> this week's secret word was a <laughs> pikjulut. Pikjulut? A pikjulut. A pikjulut. What is the fuck a... language is that even? This is not fair. Finish. Finish. Oh. Um... <sighs> Wow, and it means little Christmas. Oh um, my God! Oh wow, you 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 smacked me down hard there. Oh God damn it! Oh man, oh uh, hoisted by my own <laughs> peculiar white ethnicity. Shit. Uh, it often involved heavy drinking and a big night out, uh, but because of so many of those going wrong, it became a national joke and symbolized most people's embarrassing moments. So. Uh, <laughs> Thanks to that reputation, the parties are becoming less liquid and a little smaller. Wow! Hence, little Christmas. I'm, I my my mother is going to be so ashamed for me. Well, <laughs> ashamed for me and ashamed of me for missing out on a a reference to Finnish culture. Shit! There you go. It's thank God she doesn't listen to this podcast. Ugh. <laughs> Years of. Of Gabagool jokes have led to this moment. Yeah, no, it's all it's all coming home to roost here. Uh, listen, I want to apologize not just to our listeners, but to the to the brave and kind and hearty people of Finland. Uh, I, your your wayward son, have let you down, and I will never forgive myself, nor should you forgive me. Oh, do you have anything else for this episode? Uh, other than asking you about the grunt count, no, I do not. Oh, I forgot about the uh, grunt, the grunt count. count. Yeah, how many grunts? Well, I know there's at least one now. Yep. My guess, I think, would have been zero. Oh, um, your guess would have been wrong, sir. It would have, because I'm thinking about it now, because he was talking about the white noise machine and the the NASCAR going round and around, and I got distracted with that because I'm like, but I, I use a white noise machine to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I bet he, he grunts there. What would he have done in that moment? Oh, oh. He would have done a three a, a three grunt cluster there. Yes, the thing going around. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, one, two, three, uh, and then with the strafe one at the end. That's I'm gonna say it's four. I'm gonna say there are four in this episode. So you got the wrong number, and also you used the wrong reasoning to get to the wrong number. But I <laughs> appreciate you all the same, uh, uh, and I wish that I had something cluing into Sicilian history that I could bludgeon you with on this. So when he's on the roof with Parker, Tim does four grunts up there. When Parker first clues him into, oh, there's the loophole with the wattage versus voltage, Tim goes, and then when he says you can do this to use more power, Tim does some grunt talking, but then he ends it with a hearty classic, which I don't think we've heard at all this season. And then that- Well, I was just going to say, we haven't heard the grunt question in a while, which is the, the- the title of the this this corner. Yeah, I know it's the inquisitive grunt has not happened from Tim in some time. Uh, no, but yes, the theme song. No, well, yeah, which as we've made very clear does not count. <laughs> um, does not count. Uh, but yeah, so total of five, total of five grunts for wow. this episode. Well, I was one off. You were one off. You were close, man. You were you were very very close. All right. Um. One last important thing we got to cover here yep. is that our live show is coming up on yes, it is. February February 20th. February 20th. Uh, we definitely did not fuck that up last week and no. schedule it for Super Bowl Sunday and covered our tracks without you knowing. It was and always has been 
June, uh, February 20th. Yep. We know, um, we know when the Super Bowl is. We like sports and we don't care who knows. <laughs> so, Sunday, February 20th, that is at 10 a.m., 1 p.m. Eastern Pacific time zone dealios. Yep. So, you figure that out. Yep. 10, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we are doing a little something special this time. Uh, Everybody who wants to listen to the live show is invited. Uh, You can join us over on our Discord where you can find the invitation link in our Twitter, our Instagram, on our website, our newsletter. Uh, There are ways to get on our Discord. It's free to join. We have a lot of fun discussions there. So if you want to watch the live show, you can. But even though it'll be recorded, it'll only be listenable to our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Yep. So be sure if you want to hear the episode, you tune in there. And here's what's special about it is instead of just recording a normal boring ass episode of grunt work, just a, just we're a gonna do... mind-numbing episode of grunt work that seems to never <laughs> end. Lie. I zoned out a little bit this episode. I'll put my cards on the table. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not checking my email right now as as you go through a bunch of stuff that doesn't require input from me. <laughs> um, what we're going to be doing to make this special is we are going to sit down. All of us together are going to watch the pilot episode of Soul Man. Soul the Man. Dan Aykroyd starring <laughs> uh, short-lived sitcom. Uh, that we saw a crossover very recently on this show. So uh, join us. We'll watch it all together. Then we'll record our thoughts uh, a la normal recording style. Uh, but we'll also have a Q&A. You can chime in. Let us know what's going on uh, with your responses to the thing. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited to like sit and watch something with people. We we You and I watch it in our own way. Like You and I haven't even sat and watched something together in it, a long time. It's been a very so long do it with, time. Our listeners, I'm very excited for. So then, yeah. And listeners, to see Landon and I, who have a lot of feelings and opinions about Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> reacting to the Croyd in real time, uh, it's appointment viewing. Let's just say that much. Yes. Don't miss out. <laughs> so February 20th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and all of the time zones in between. You can do the math on those. Uh, join us on our Discord. Uh, put it in your calendars now. And we're going to end the episode there. Yes. Uh, Grunt Work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create this show, consider becoming an official Grunt Head sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a, la- a rating or review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast because it's the easiest way to support us and helps other people find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntworkPod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com slash Christmas. Uh, don't go there because you won't find anything, but you will. Yeah, you'll get a on our actual website. and then you can just delete the Christmas part and you'll be on the website. It's the same damn okay, thing. Okay, there you go. Okay. Um, just hit the home button when you're there. You can uh, find other information on today's episode like uh, and get the Discord button. And sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next week, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, whether you like it or not, your parents are human beings. They have needs. And just like all of us, sometimes they want to find somebody to naked square dance with. <laughs> <laughs>